0: Hey, it's Marthea Pitts, the MSW coach, and thank you for coming back for another episode of Macro Social Work Your Way. Be sure to connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at the underscore MSW coach, Facebook at the MSW coach, and on LinkedIn as Marthea Pitts, the MSW coach. This is going to be a great episode. Hey, it's Marthea, the MSW coach, and I am back for another episode of my podcast, Macro Social Work Your Way. I am doing really good today. Today was a wonderful day. This, The last few weeks have been a wonderful time, I can honestly say, in my life. And so I'm super excited to talk about this topic today. So I'm sure you read the title of the podcast Uh introverts do macro social can do macro social work too right and I and I don't know I probably might change the title around after I record this episode but the basics of this episode will be about the fact like macro social workers, can show up many different ways in their work, right? And so what I've learned since 2020 in talking with thousands upon thousands of social workers about their macro social work career aspirations, there are a lot of false um like truths out there so what I mean by that is like career misinformation that floats around on the social work streets that just gets passed around as law (laughs) all right Mm -hmm. and so what I mean by that is just things that simply are not correct Um, looking at it and examining it from a workforce development lens, right? When I first got on the social work scene on the internet, I used to use the analogy all the time or analogy along the lines of like, you wouldn't go to your banker to ask them how to build a home, right? Because bankers are all things financial matters, all things financial literacy, what would they know about the actual physical construction, the processes um, that it will take to physically build a home? They may can tell you about the finance piece of financing your home or financing the construction, but they wouldn't be able to tell you the actual physical process of building a home from um, brick by brick, you know, a sheet of wood, plywood by plywood they wouldn't be able to tell you that right they wouldn't be able to give you the breakdown of that so I always am amazed and I'm still trying to figure out why it's such a thing where uh social work students who then become social work professionals out in the field Hold their career information as the law that they get from their social work professors, right? And so I know in my own macro work, as a macro social worker who specializes in workforce development and designing equitable career pathways, opportunities for historically marginalized populations, I know that there is a huge disconnect from academics and field right? Um, I also know that just by being a student, how many of us, once we got into the field, we're like, wait a minute, this is nothing that I learned in the class. Like, how can I use it? Now, my situation is a little bit different because a lot of what I learned in my program, I actually do use it as a macro social worker, but I hear the story all the time from social workers about how... um, what they learned in class is not used in the actual workplace, right? And so um, I want to say that a lot of that is because you're getting information from, and I love social work professors. I love social work professors, right? I I taught in higher ed. I taught in the R1 University as teaching faculty before. I It takes a special person, to teach in higher ed. I I did it for a very short period of time and I realized that is not my thing, right? Um, But I wish that conversations when it comes to career matters would be um, done in partnership with like university career centers or people who specialize in career development, right? There are actual career center professionals at every university but um based on the literature that I've read over the last two years that's not commonplace in social work programs and that's in comparison to other, majors right other majors they work in tandem and collab like tight collaborate like collaboration with their university career centers i know that because i have a, a a very good colleague and close friend of mine who worked at r1 university and she worked in a career center and she was actually housed in one of the department's like buildings and so the students of that major would meet with her once a month and they would talk about their career development. And this is from freshman until graduation, right? And meet with her regularly to talk about their career plan and what experiential learning opportunities they were going to tackle the upcoming summer or the next semester. Like it was a very um, close partnership, right? And so it makes me wonder why there is such a disconnect in um, social work colleges around the country when it comes to that? And why are professors feeling as though they are the, what I like to say, all-knowing humans about careers? Because it's really doing a disservice to students. That's, that's just, I, I don't know any way to like sugarcoat that or make it PC. It, it really is doing you all a disservice because you come out of these programs and you hold it as truth. Right. So, one of the big misconceptions that I hear a lot, I hear a lot from social workers is that macro social work is only leadership. Right. And so, the only like clear rationalization that I've come up with so far with how this connection was possibly made because I don't know where it originated from. I'm sure it's been around for decades. I I just don't know. The only correlation that I can make, like, or like, um, yeah, correlation that I can make as far as where it originated from using a workforce development lens is the fact that many social workers work in traditional social work settings that would be classified as social work administration. So that would be like your atypical social service organizations, nonprofits, where tons of social workers work, uh, your community-based organizations where tons of social workers work, right? Those would be your atypical organizations, and so in those organizations, typically social workers—if it's a heavy social work, like social worker staff—those um, social workers work their way up the ranks to leadership, and the like label that is put on them because they work their way up from frontline direct practice is that. They are macro social workers, when in essence, they are serving, they're under the social work administration umbrella, right? Because they're leading services and programs that are still um, responsible for direct practice uh, service delivery. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of those direct practice organizations do have macro type work that they do as a part of their offering. But for the most part, those people in those positions are social work admin. They're under that umbrella. They're not macro social workers, meaning they are not only, solely only working with large populations um, and individuals, right? They're more so working there over- leadership supervisory of people who are providing one-on-one service. Macro roles, there's no one-on-one service interaction in a true macro social work role. You may work with large groups of leaders who, um, who may be a part of the funding organization that then funds those one-on-one like community service delivery type organizations, but they are not the ones who are delivering the actual service delivery. They're more so the ones who are overseeing funding, um, accountability policy, like funding streams and all of the things, but the one-on-one direct practice service doesn't go on in their organization. Um, So, I said all that to like give context to this conversation. So because that myth or incorrect piece of information floats so heavily on the social work street, um, many social workers are left to believe that macro is only leadership roles. And there's many other things that I've heard, but we're focusing only on the leadership piece. Right. And so what I've Come up with is that, or based on what I've heard from the thousands of social workers that I heard, it's like because of their not so great experiences with what they assume is leadership. And I'm going to get into the definition of leadership in just a moment. But what they assume is leadership, and I was guilty of this in their one on one case management jobs, direct practice roles they are reluctant to advance or what they think to macro social work roles because they think that macro is only roles like those, right? In your atypical social work, social service settings and organizations, right? And so I oftentimes always have to have a conversation around the fact that there is a distinct difference between a true leader of an organization and a supervisor, which a lot of social workers, again, including me, I was very hesitant to step into my natural, like, innate abilities of being a leader because I thought a leader was the, the toxic supervisors that I've had in my past work life. <laughs> So it took a lot of unlearning, a lot of hard unlearning to understand that leaders are the ones that create the vision for the thing, right? They are not necessarily the, they aren't the ones who are executing the day-to-day daily task of making the thing happen right, or overseeing the people that are responsible for doing the day-to-day daily tasks, which would be the mission of an organization. Leaders create the vision, which is the overall objective. Supervisors help execute the mission which is the daily task the tedious activities the overseeing of the staff and creating the systems and the processes the leader just creates the vision they're not wrapped up in the day to day things right and so because it's hard for people again including me at one point to understand the distinct difference between a leader and a supervisor and also like put sandwich that with the fact that many social workers think that the supervisors, the managers, the directors, and I'm not going to talk about the CEOs, but the directors in their atypical social work, social service organizations are or macro social work. It makes them hesitant to want to even entertain the idea of doing macro work, especially if they are an introvert right because they then think that they have to show up in that manner in order to do macro social work roles right ask me how i know this so intimately well i never i always knew that macro work wasn't <laughs> the leadership piece but i'm an introvert by nature i i came out of the womb as an introvert right I didn't have a name for it back then, but it was always very clear that I operated very differently than my peers, right? My peers are always very outspoken. They, what I, back then, what you would equate that to, they were always very popular. I wasn't, um, I had my small crew of people, right? But I never was the one who knew everyone and everyone knew me right another example of how i knew very early on that i was a, a different right and i honestly probably could say like i only associated with other introverts and again we didn't know this back then but another way that i knew i was very different is because my mother is And she, I I don't know if she's ever taken a personality assessment, but I don't even need to see a result because I know for a fact my mother is an extreme extrovert, right? My mother in high school, super popular, (laughs) still is to this day, right? Super popular, track star, cheerleader, got a full cheerleading scholarship to go to college all well known everyone knows my mom my mom knows everyone right people who have never met me just know me I don't know how if you never physically laid eyes on me but they know who my mom is right and so as a child what that will look like and now I have words to explain what it is that was going on because I didn't have it at that time. I just always knew like my mom was forcing me to do these extracurricular activities. She wanted me to be on the dance team. And it's like, the dance team? Do you want me to go out in the middle of a football field and dance, right? And so that was a whole source of, oh, what? no. And then even as a younger child, Like I said, when I was younger, I was a lot more what I back then, what I would equate or even maybe 10 years ago, I would say I was I was a lot more fearless because my mother would have me doing monologues, speeches. I was in drama. I was um, taking acting classes. I was doing karate classes. I was in plays. I was singing and all of the things. Right. And I would be so. Nervous, right? And it wasn't that I was necessarily shy, but back then that's what I thought it was. Again, because I didn't have the word of being an introvert. But I realized that it was now. It was because I processed my information so much different now. If I would have had adequate time to prepare, like there was one talent show that I wanted to do, but I had months to prepare for it, right? Months to prepare for it. Months to like build up my because with me, you have to give me warning. You can't just pop things up on me and say, oh, we're doing this today. No, <laughs> no, I am not. And if you do it, I will be very like, it. you will know. <laughs> and so this is in my personal life. So that talent show was the one time that I wanted to do something. And I remember uh, my grandma telling my mom, like, let her do it. Because the song I wanted to sing was not kid-friendly. It was a Whitney Houston song. No, it was a Karen White song. For anybody that knows who Karen White was um, or is. And so my grandma, because my, my grandma tells this story to this day, my grandma was like, let her sing the song. Just the fact that she wants to get up there and do it on her own, let her sing the song. Right. And so they let me sing the song. But looking back at it now, because I remember that, I remember going to talent show practices and rehearsals for like months. It was because I was doing it in my own way. And then everything else that my mom kind of like made me do, um, it was always, you know, it wasn't, it, it, it was painful. It was painful. My mom had me in everything from baton twirling, karate, softball, t-ball, um, what, black awareness pageants, from, like I said, taking acting classes. I was on a dance team in high school where I actually came out with the band and did all of the things, right? I If you name an activity, I was in gymnastics. I took swimming. Me and my brothers stayed constantly busy, like, and that was just my... Again, because my mom was a student, like that's just what she did. she was very active, she was an extrovert, so I say all that to say, like I grew up knowing that huh I just i i I don't know, I don't know I knew I just was a little bit different. Right. And it wasn't really until I got to high school where my best friend at the time, she one t- one day she was explaining to the people, to other people that were in our class, like in the senior junior class. I don't remember what grade I was in. And she was like, Marthea. Marthea is nice, Marthea is sweet because back then people thought I was super mean because I didn't talk to them, right? I only talked to my selected few introverts, right? We don't, we're not always networky type people. So that people would, not and again, now I have words for this, but back then it was interpreted as, oh, Marthea is mean. No, it was just that I was very selective with who I talked to right and I really had to get a feel of who you were and like what you were about before I would even like say hello to you <laughs> so um even into my early adult years like that came across to other people as she's me right and so it wasn't until hmm I would say it wasn't until maybe like 15, 20 years ago that I like kind of was forced into talking. And then even then I became very selective. But fast forward to like more present day, now that I have words to explain, I know that it's because I, I'm i an introvert by nature. So I engage with people very differently. But when you are an introvert in an extroverted world, extroverts don't really like, try to take the time to understand how you operate, right? So me hearing my friend explain, and she was like, Marthea just has to get to know you. That was what she said. I was like, Oh, she gets me, you know. Um, that was my first time really hearing back what it was that I was giving off, right? And then my grandmother has another story that she loves to tell. My grandmother and I, we would take these trips down. I'm from Palm Beach County, Florida, 561 area code. Um, And so me and my grandmother would take weekend, like Saturday day trips down to Miami-Dade County to visit an auntie of mine. And um, my grandma tells these stories about how I ride. To our two two plus hours down to Miami and not say a word, she says that there were often times where she would have to look over because she would forget that I was there because I wouldn't say anything, going now or coming back up, right. And so as an introvert, now that we know what that is and we have clearly defined examples, it was just that I was, you know, processing my thoughts. I, I can't engage in small talk. Now, it's, of course, I taught to my grandma. My grandma is like my best friend, right? I go to her for all my advice. But back then, I was probably internal, like really processing a lot of things that were going on. It was my teen years. So I say all that to say, like, looking back at it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh the drama of being a teenager right um I heard a lot from people like oh she's just so mean I'm not mean I'm, I'm I'm one of the sweetest people that I know right now as an introvert don't don't think that we are very like passive people because we're not we're very observant we're very um protective of our spaces. And so I wanted to talk about the fact like introverts can do macro work too, right? And so um, what I'm learning what what I know to be true is that there are many social workers out there who are also what they would consider introverts and they want to do macro work, but they are hesitant to do that. And so, I really wanted to create time and space today to say, like, you can do macro social work too. Leadership is not you having to always be in a role where you're front and center and you're the voice for everything. Right. And so, leadership in my book is anyone who is willing to be mission driven and challenge the status quo and who dares to, who dares to like do things differently. Right. And so when it comes to macro work, we need social workers in every space possible. So, what that will look like is we need social workers on the executive admin teams of organizations to ensure, like, just as an example, that internal processes are being done correctly where, um, funding is being sent out the way that it's supposed to be in an equitable manner or where um, internal processes are being created in an equitable manner where it can reach like the, the areas that need it most in the country, right? You don't always have to be front and center as the CEO or the one doing the overt activism you can be behind the scenes you can be on next to the people who are the movers and shakers and you're the one but like a part of the coordination planning of it all right you're the one that's identifying the the gaps in the systems you're the one who are like connecting the dots right or contributing thoughts partnerships to the most groundbreaking um, practice or thing or that will roll out to really change the lives of the populations that you serve. So I wanna say that you can be an introvert. There is space for you too, right? Now it will take you some work to to, to develop, but it still is possible. I'm an introvert. I knew that where I am now in my career was going to be because that was the vision that was given to me. And so the seed was planted into me because I, you know, I'm a career counselor by, by profession was you need to create a professional development plan to start getting comfortable with the role that is being given to you. Right. So what that looked like was I created a professional development plan in my cubicle as a case manager. I sketched out, okay, I'm going to start going to um public speaking classes, right? Because I wasn't comfortable getting up in front of people and doing public speaking, right? I decided i I spoke one time to one. I've said this before on podcast episodes. I spoke once to my director. And this is when I worked at the R1 University um, in a research institute regarding child welfare. And I was speaking to the executive director, who is also a macro social worker, and she just casually shared, we were talking about planning of dates um, regarding the initiative that I was over. And she was like, oh, I can't do that day because I have a standing appointment with my leadership coach. And this is after like a year or two of me working on my own professional development plan. I had never heard of a leadership coach. So I immediately like tucked it away in the back of my mind. And as soon as I was just waiting for the meeting to be over. And as soon as the meeting was over, I ran back to my office and I Googled, what is a leadership coach, right? Because she is the one who I admire her work. She's very accomplished. She travels the world and teaches people about equitable equitable practices in in the child welfare sector. She helps pass laws, (laughs) right? So I ran back to my desk and I researched and I was like a leadership coach. I read the definition. I probably looked at an article or two. And I pulled out my, I wrote down, I was like, I'm going to get a leadership coach. So then I got like a battery in my back to get a leadership coach. Right. And so my leadership coach happened, happens. And I strategically chose her, happened to be a former colleague of mine that I worked with. As a case manager, a career counselor on the front lines, she served as our training and development manager, where she would be responsible over training and development of the staff. And so the reason I went to look for her um, was because as a case manager, she would always like pull the... All oh, the, 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 what is the word? The, I want to say the extrovert because now, I, because i worked so hard on my professional development, the last assessment that I've taken, personality assessment, I'm 49% introverted, 51% extroverted. And so, but back then I'm, I know I was hundred percent extroverted because I took the same <laughs> personality assessment, but she would pull the extrovert out of me right? In the professional setting, she would pull it out of me. And not even the extrovert, she was just pulling, like she was helping me get comfortable with being an introvert in an extrovert world. And I used to hate it. We would be in a training or a meeting, like in a roundtable discussion, everybody would be sharing out. Of course I had ideas. I was thinking about stuff, but I didn't want to talk about it. And a lot of that came from my past career trauma of being in settings before we would sit around and talk about ideas and then things never come to life. But what I realized was that it also was compounded with me being an introvert, right? And so what I quickly realized was when I would share, like the room would stop. The room would stop and everyone would listen intently. And then they would like refer back to everything that I said for like weeks and months after. They would create new systems and processes based around the one thing I said in that meeting, right? And so she would do this more and more with me, like pull me out, right? And back then, honestly, I I thought it was just like the way that I was, but it wasn't. It's just that I... I engage differently, right? So she would create every time it, we were in a meeting. She would create intentional time and space for me to engage, right? It was very uncomfortable. Did it feel good? No. Did I like her? Probably not. Um, but when I went to go hire a leadership coach, I remember her, I remembered her because we were connected as friends on Facebook. I remember that she had been advertising that she was a soft skills coach. And so when I looked at the definition of leadership coach, I'm like, I'm sure she can help me, right? It's still kind of all one and the same. And another reason that I wanted to choose her, which is a reason why I, over time with her pulling me into those conversations, I realized after a while that she was doing it for a very intentional purpose, right? And so um it 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 builds off of something that I heard another one of my coaches say today around people see the greatness in you before you see the greatness in you <laughs> and i when i heard my coach my other coach say that today i was like that is so true my dissertation coach i was like that is so true that's what happened to me when i was in case management Everyone saw my leader, like saw the leader greatness in me. And I didn't see it myself. I didn't see it until years later when I started reflecting on, dang, everything that I came up with as a case manager, they created, it. like they did it. Everything that I put forward, people really referred to it. People still refer to it to this day. It's still a standard practice. They even like tailored the job descriptions, um, positions to the fact that they wanted to prioritize hiring social workers for those roles because I was the only social worker on staff, right? So I was doing change-making leadership work even as a case manager, because I was challenging the status quo of the service delivery in the program that I worked within. So I really wanted to, so I I chose her, my leadership coach, because she also had a heavy, heavy background in corporate. She had worked in training and development um, and worked in exec, senior executive C-suite leadership roles in corporate and fortune 500 companies and i was like i want her to be my leadership coach so i invested i taught with her i was like look i know that i'm going to i'm working on a career education consulting firm right now this is when i was before i was on the internet because I started all this in 2019. I said I'm working, I'm, I'm starting, I'm gonna have a career um, education consulting firm. I don't know how big this is going to get, but I know that I need to prepare myself because I know that my plans are great. <laughs> um, because I know the vision that has been given to me. And I wanted to know like, do you provide leadership coaching? How much does it cost? I pulled it out of my savings account and I invested in a coach. And when I tell you that has been the great, I have gotten the greatest return on my money. I have been unstoppable since I worked with her. Unstoppable. Because what she end, what she specialized in, and I didn't know it at the time was, well, I told her, I was like, look, what I'm struggling with is that I'm an introvert. I, I don't do the whole like network with random people thing. <laughs> I don't understand that. I said it makes my skin crawl to like think about most definitely to even engage in small talk. I don't want to talk about the sky being blue and tree down the road. Right. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. That that makes my skin crawl. I said, I, but I know that I need to know how to like show up in these larger spaces for because of the plans that I have for my career and even for my consulting firm. She took that and she tailored a coaching program for me that was all around me being an introvert. She gave me strategies on how to show up in an extroverted world, but still remain true to my introverted ways, right? And so that was the birth of me showing up authentically as Marthea, right? And when I say she gave me sh- tangible strategies each week, <laughs> she didn't give me any fluff like any feel good pep talks, no tangible strategies and each week I would take it back and implement it in my in my current job at that time and at that time I was working in higher ed in a different position I would take I would do one strategy per meeting and I would be like oh okay that that was doable I feel comfortable I'm I'm still here (laughs) you know I don't feel drained after and so it was like a snowball effect Every week, she would give me a new tangible strategy and I would implement it. I would make it my own, right? Until I mastered it. Now, when I first finished the the coaching with her, I was still a little shaky. It was at times that I wanted to revert back to my old ways, but I couldn't because at that point I had unlearned or learned new ways of engaging. And they were very like easy for me to do because I had practiced them. And so me doing that pre-work, that professional development work helps me now show up in macro spaces and be front and center for the work that I do on a national level, right? So I really wanted to give that as an example, like you can be introverted through and through and there's still space for you in macro social spaces. A lot of what is holding you back is your career misinformation about what, what leadership is, one, <laughs> two, where macro social work roles are, and three, you don't have a professional development plan to get the t- the strategies and the techniques that you need to engage in an extroverted world. Right? And so one thing my leadership coach, Susan, always said from the very beginning is the key is not becoming an extrovert. The key is learn- is knowing how to show up as an introvert in an extroverted world. She also took me, like, gave me in-depth information about how extroverts process information and how we are, you know, how why we are so different right? And strategies to work with them. So I'm saying all that to say like, you can still do macro work, one, and not have to be front and center if that's what you choose to do. But even if you do choose to be front and center, there is professional development that you can do to get strategies to be successful in those spaces, right? And so I'm going to come back and do another podcast episode for next week about why you need a career coach. Because i said this before, I'm pretty sure here, if not, I did on my live on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at the underscore MSW coach. That's where I am. That's, that's my hangout spot. But what I'm realizing is just like I didn't know what a leadership coach was, many people don't know what a career coach is and the benefit of it. Someone asked me that one time. She's like, why do I need a career coach? And she was honestly asking from a place of wanting to know because it's not the norm for you to hear like, oh, I got a, I got a career coach. But little do you all know, That the people that you admire most, the most influential people that you admire the most, where you repeat their work, you buy their books, you go to their workshops and seminars, they have coaches. They have coaches. They have career coaches. They have leadership coaches. They have business coaches. They have executive coaches. They have life coaches right you all don't know that that is that is the secret recipe that you that's the secret ingredient that you don't know you just think they come out of a womb and they're these wonderful magnetic people but the most influential change makers that you see out in the world many of them are introverts they just have coaches Right? So you're out here trying to like figure it out on your own. You need a coach. You need someone who has extensive knowledge on how to do the thing. This goes back to my earlier point. You are a holding on to information from your social work professors who have never done the thing. They got their bachelor's, they got their master's and went straight into their doc programs, their PhD programs and straight into teaching in the academy. They never worked in the workforce. So why are you getting workforce related information from people who have never worked outside of higher ed? And y'all are holding it like law. It takes a lot of work for me to help you unlearn just that false information. Gosh, if you don't remember anything from this episode, remember two things. You wouldn't go to your banker about to ask them how to build a house, the physical build of a house. You wouldn't do that, right? And then the second thing, leadership, is it does not require you to be the face of everything. You're a leader anytime you're doing mission-driven work and you're wanting to be a change maker. And macro social workers can show up in any role, space and capacity in a macro organization. So I'm done. I set my timer for 30 minutes. I'm at 42 minutes. I'm done. I hope you get the point, right? If you are an MSW degree social worker with at least two plus years of case management experience and you're ready to make the pivot to macro social work, click the link down in my show notes. Get my free e-course, Micro to Macro. It's seven days worth of curated content to teach you about what macro social work is, where macro social work um occurs what where those roles what types of organizations those roles exist in what macro social work salaries could possibly be plus more it's a labor of my love get get my free e course also if you know you're ready to work with me you're ready to come inside of the accelerator micro to macro The Career Accelerator for Social Workers. Registration is opening for Cohort 9, Sunday, February 19th, 2023. My program is now a six-month-long program. Intensive Group Career Coaching Program is now six months long. It used to be six weeks. Why? Because I'm realizing that you all need more time with a career coach a coach, right? So it's a six-month-long program designed to teach you how to identify, apply, and interview for macro social work roles in three months or less. But if, hey, if you know you have a longer timeline, you wanna you know, ease your way on down the road you're your new macro social work role, that's fine. You have six months with me. We meet weekly. To have open Q&A sessions. So what's the reason now? You got a career coach for six months. Six months. That's more than enough to get your mind right about, you know, being an introvert, showing up in this extroverted world. But I need you to get to it. The world is waiting on you. The world is waiting on you to show up. And if you have never seen a living, walking example, I am her. I am an introvert who shows up every day in an extroverted world, and I do it in my own way. You can make change your way. So click the link, join my free wait list. There's an exclusive opportunity for those who sign who join who join the wait list today before registration opens. Well there's gonna be a cutoff point, right? Which will be the week before registration opens. If you join the wait list, you get an exclusive opportunity to sign up for a register for the next cohort, cohort nine, early before registration opens on February 19th. Why is that important, Marthea? Why does that matter? The last two cohorts of micro to macro filled up in four days. Because it is limited slots. Somebody emailed the other day and asked me, What is how many? What's the number of limited slots? Don't that's not that doesn't matter at this point. Do you want to be in the program? (laughs) And that's another podcast episode. A lot of y'all are worried about the wrong things, right? The point, the thing that you need to be worried about at this point is, Do you want to be one (laughs) of the number, right? Let's not get caught up in the minutiae. All right. Let, let's let's take action. <laughs> let's, let's move forward, right? So you get an exclusive opportunity to be in to do registration a week early to secure your spot before general registration opens on February 19th. Once general registration opens up on February 19th, registration will close on February 24th, which again is also major, right? Because that is extending the number of days that registration is open. So that's six days that registration will be open when before, when it was a six week program, they only have four days to register. So you have no reason to miss the deadline. And once you miss the deadline, you cannot register after the deadline. You cannot, right? We're scaling the program. We have systems in place. There's automated emails that go out to give you all of the information you need to onboard you into the program. So if you miss the deadline, social workers, because y'all love to come after the fact. If you miss the deadline on Friday, February 24th at 1150, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You cannot register. You'll have to wait to the next cohort, which I I am not releasing the date yet. Okay, so I love you all. This is why I go so hard in my podcast episodes. I want more social workers and macro spaces because I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe that social workers are the answer to the issues in the world. And it's the job is, upon, is on me to help you all get into those spaces, to be the change makers that you are destined to be. You just need an opportunity. You just need to learn the techniques to get into the roles. Your skills, talents, education, and experience is needed in larger spaces than case management. I'm here to get you there, right? But I push you with love and care. So have a wonderful day. Happy macro career planning. Click the link, join the whitelist. Bye.